and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on the Rivals Network. I'm Caleb Alexander, publisher and recruiting writer at uh, GamecockScoop.com, joined by Alan Cole, who is the beat reporter for all the major sports. And we're into week two of the college football season. I upgraded the mic. I'm ready. We're, we're, let's do it. I'm I'm in the background with the uh, the recruit um, you know photo shoot thing that's going on here because I've always wanted to do that and it's gonna be great. You weren't a good enough high school football player to have one of those yourself. No, no, no. <laughs> I <laughs> I earned a couple of letters or whatever, but I I wasn't going to college anywhere. Too short, too slow. What um, position did you play? I played safety and wide receiver. So gotcha. Preferred safety though. That was that was always fun. That's why I got hyped about Nick Emmon Warrior last week. Yeah, time. seriously. <laughs> um, so before we get into Arkansas, which is what the majority of this is gonna be, also at the end of the episode, I did an interview with Arkansas Rivals publisher, hogbeat.com publisher, Mason Choate. Uh, and he gave us a little bit of insight from the other side as far as what he's expecting from the game on Saturday. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about recruiting. Also, tomorrow I'll uh, run my weekly recruiting rundown. There's a bunch of stuff on the site right now that is just for subscribers. Um, If you sign up between now and tomorrow, so you got one more day, using promo code GOCOX22, that's all capitals, um, you can get the first year of Rivals Premium for just $22, which is a pretty good deal. It's usually $100. It's almost 80% off. You really should yeah, that if you're listening yeah, to this yeah. today. Exactly. And so that'll be coverage for the rest of football season. It'll be recruiting stuff in the off season. It'll be coverage for basketball, baseball, women's basketball. We even have some Olympic sports updates going on in there right now. Um, the soccer teams are off to a good start right now. Yeah, especially um, the women's team. I think I'm number four yeah. in the country right now in the last poll. Yeah, exactly. Um, they what, finished a tie against Clemson, which I guess was the only disappointing result of the year so far. But otherwise, they're undefeated. So, I mean, even that is undefeated. It's not a loss, yeah. <clears throat> um, as far as recruiting goes, um, we're still getting a reaction from the visitors last Saturday. If you want to see who all was here last Saturday, my weekly recruiting wrap-up last week had a full visitors list. Um, so far, everyone that we've heard from has been very positive. We got a article on safety Kelvin Hunter, 2024 safety already posted. Most of the guys that, that were there that weren't already committed were 2024 guys. Um, we got some stuff coming out from Mazio Bennett, four-star out of Greenville. Uh, running back Jaden Scott, who was like a standout at Rivals camps this past offseason. I expect he's going to probably get a fourth star sooner than later. Um, athlete Cameron Michael. And then Mason Wade, who was an O-lineman out of Maryland, keeping that D- DMV connection going for 2024. Um, all of those articles should be coming out in the next week, and I'm still reaching out to even more. There was a huge visitors list last week. It was like 20-something kids, so... Um, and hey, they got to see quite an atmosphere as we talked about a little bit too. Don't discount that factor in it. That's true. I saw a lot of, um, the recruits on Twitter posted pictures with Clowney. I know I saw Rames did, uh, Pup Howard did. Um, yeah, so that, that's huge. I mean, how often do you get to meet a legend, right? Right. Um, This week, South Carolina's on the road, so obviously there won't be any visitors this week. Next week for the Georgia game, there'll be other visitors, but obviously the big one that everyone's concerned about is Nicholas Harbor, five-star athlete, uh, is taking his official visit next week during the Georgia game. Um, And I've confirmed with pretty much everyone in the DMV crew, so Desmond Umiozulu, Zabari Sandy, and Tosin Babalade, Big Tree, um, that they're all going to come with them. So they're trying to make that DMV connection feel very strong. Um, and I remember I, when I talked to Tosin uh, on his like wrap up for his commitment, um, that's posted on our YouTube channel if you want to go back and check that out. Um, he was talking about how having Marshawn Lloyd, who also went to DeMatha Catholic, also from that DMV area, having him on campus for the visit was kind of one of the big things that set it over the edge for him. So. You know, all those commits are hoping the same holds true for Nicholas Harbor. He's still got a couple more official visits after that, but we'll keep you posted there. I got more in the re- weekly recruiting wrap up tomorrow, but like I said, most of the content this week is just getting 
uh, visitor reaction from last week and then starting to think about those visits uh, for Georgia next week. But really, what the people want is for us to talk about Arkansas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So going into the season, you know, you're looking at the first half of the schedule. You got the Georgia State game. You got the Charlotte game. You got the SEC or the SEC State game. All of those should be winnable. You got Georgia at home, which is a presumed loss. And then you got Arkansas and Kentucky. And those Arkansas and Kentucky games are definitely the swing games uh, right here in the first half of the schedule, which if you can somehow win both of those, you're really looking at maybe a huge step forward uh, for for this season. But you got to get at least one of them to at least, you know, pull off six, seven wins, I think. Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, you took care of business last week. That's a that's a quality opponent, but this is a completely different beast going on the road in the SEC. Team that won nine games last year. Team that beat a playoff team from last year, by the way, just casually beating Cincinnati last week. Um, no, this is a completely different challenge. And this is, I think we were talking about it last night a little bit, doing some notes, but this would unquestionably be the biggest winner of the Shane Beamer era. I don't think it's even close if South Carolina pulled this off Saturday in Fayetteville. Um, no, this is a huge game, and there's a lot of different points to get into it with it. This is definitely an opportunity, I think, to have that defining win to really solidify that um, South Carolina, who, you know, some people started to look at this offseason as potentially up and coming. There's definitely a lot of positive momentum, but nothing has been proven yet. And this would be a way to prove it. And you're going against a team that's kind of um, a mirror image in some ways in in the SEC West of Arkansas, who's considered this dark horse team that's up and coming, got a young coach that everyone's excited about. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a chance to make a statement. I think it's going to be tough sledding. Um, we talked yesterday, the ESPN FBI, I think, uh, that I saw was around 26% chance for South Carolina to win. Um, I said that feels about right. We said maybe a little higher, maybe in the thirties. Um, you know, if you think about it as these teams play 10 games, I would expect Carolina to win three or four of them maybe. Yeah, that's about right. But I definitely think that especially at home right now you have to give Arkansas the advantage, but we'll get into the specific matchups here in just a minute. Um, I know that we heard from coach Beamer, coach Satterfield, coach White, and of course, pistol Pete limbo uh, this week. Um, what, what stood out to you from, from the pressers, just general thoughts. Um, my main stuff's going to come from Marcus Satterfield, just because I think that more or less is where the game is this week on offense. Uh, South Carolina's offense against Arkansas's defense um, he was pretty honest yesterday about the offensive struggles um, last week, about the offensive line struggles last week specifically. Um, he had a lot of different stuff I wanted to hit on, but one thing I want to just knock out, he was talking about tempo. That was actually the very first question he was asked because they ran, I don't know if you remember, they ran a good bit of like that quick stuff, get to the line on the first drive of the game. And I think they got two or three first downs before Georgia State forced a punt. And they never went back to it until the two-minute drill at the end of the half, when obviously you have to. And they did well on that drive, too. They got in the field goal range for Mitch Jeter. Um, and Satterfield just said the offense looked good in the two-minute drill on the last set, and they wanted to get back to it. Like, they just they were inconsistent. They couldn't get enough momentum. Um, he said it felt so good on that first drive because we were rolling, and, and he said he thinks our guys play better that way. I don't know if that's the right tactic necessarily against a very ball control heavy Arkansas team but I thought it was interesting he was pretty open that yeah they they like the tempo they're better with the tempo they want to be able to run that even if they couldn't really against Georgia State yeah so this one's tough because I keep saying that this is probably going to be a shootout I mean if at least if South Carolina keeps it close it's probably going to be a shootout and I can't decide if you just lean into that because it would seem like South Carolina's advantage here is Spencer Rattler and the receivers versus a banged-up secondary from Arkansas, which even before it was banged-up didn't play that well against Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's quarterback, Bryant. Um, I can't remember his first name right ben now. Ben Bryant. Yeah. Uh, ben Bryant, yeah. He, he missed some wide-open touchdown passes, uh, at least in the first half. He kind of settled in a little better in the, in the second half that I don't think Spencer Rattler would, would miss if he has the same – um, occasion. So I'm, I've, I've been kind of going back and forth in my own head of like, what do you do? Do you try to keep Arkansas's offense off the field and string together some longer drives, get that running game going? Or do you just lean into the fact that it's going to be a shootout and just 
get your points however you can get them and, and well, attack down the field. You see, you said get the running game going there, but <laughs> 33 carries for 79 yards last week against Georgia State. I mean, your leading rusher was a tight end with 39 rushing yards. I mean, that's not going to be easy either. Like, it might have to just be. I mean, I wrote this in my brief, but it's going on the website tomorrow. I think this is the Spencer Rattler game. This is what you brought him here for. This is the type of game that, no disrespect to any of the four quarterbacks last year, this is the type of game none of those four would have been able to win on the road against a quality defense. Um, this is what Spencer Rattler is here for. I think you are going to have to throw the ball 35, 40 times to try to win this game. And then, yeah, the question then becomes, are we comfortable with Spencer Rattler's decision-making and Satterfield's play calling, which he kind of hit on that a little bit in the, in the press conferences this week, talking about both him and Spencer, Spencer kind of pressing it a little bit because obviously – Satterfield is not everyone's favorite in Gamecock Nation, um, which we've talked about a couple times over the offseason, too. And then you come out and have that performance in week one. It, it was fine. I mean, it, it was ho-hum. It got the job done. And another thing that I, I mentioned last night that I don't know if everyone's thinking about, you look at the stat sheet, you look at the box score, not that good. You looked at the product on the field, uh, especially in the first half, not that good. But then you also had two second-half pump blocks returned for touchdowns that – then take away offensive drives, uh, which for, I mean, it's good. You're glad that, that they did, right? You, you get the score there. Um, but that's two opportunities that you don't really know what would have happened on those drives. It definitely would have padded the stat sheet a little bit more, at least from well, a box course perspective. The flip side so. of that, though, and if those draw, those two block punts put the game away, like South Carolina, oh, I think they had one drive at 28-14. That's when Rattler threw the pick. But they didn't have a possession in the fourth quarter in a one-score game. Like that didn't happen Saturday because of the block punts that might have otherwise. We don't know what that's going to look like with Rattler, with his offensive line, um, Satterfield's play calling late in a tight game. Um, that's still up in the air going into this week. And maybe you see it Saturday, maybe you don't, but that's still a question mark. Yeah. So, like I said, Satterfield in the press conference earlier this week kind of said that he and Spencer both were pressing a little bit and it makes you feel claustrophobic, this idea. Um, that you're just trying to be a little bit too perfect. Um, and we saw that with Rattler on that throw that we kind of talked about on Monday where he forced it down the field when he really didn't have to. Um, and, yeah, I think that Arkansas's defense is definitely more athletic. I don't know if every unit on it is as fundamentally sound as Georgia State or, or whatever, but definitely more athletic across the board. And you have to wonder if this game does – stay close into the second half what it what does that pressure feel like on Satterfield and Spencer and how do they handle it yeah and this was something I wrote about a little bit Tuesday and I couldn't believe it when I looked it up but it's true Spencer Rattler's in his fourth year of college football he's played one true road game in a full stadium because he had the COVID year in 2020 he redshirted in 19 and only appeared I think in two home games in a neutral site and then last year only one before he got benched this is unbelievably for a guy who is as highly rated as him and has been here as long as he has, he's never done this, a true road environment like this. Yeah. And Arkansas is definitely going to be a true road environment. Yeah. They're going to be up for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for you to, to check that out. Um, but yeah, I know that South Carolina, uh, apparently according to the Gamecock club sold their full allotment. So, you know, we'll, the, the South Carolina state section will be as full as it can, but, I imagine that that stadium is going to be pretty sold out uh, with people oinking or <laughs> whatever Douglas it is they do. Said he's excited to see the, um, the Woo Pig Suey. Um, yeah. And speaking of Eric Douglas, I think this is probably the biggest point of the entire game we haven't gotten to yet. Offensive line, if they're going to throw the ball 40 times, can they block? Yeah, they can be able to hold up for Spencer. Yeah. I mean, he, he was running a lot last week for his life. And it turned us into some good plays. I think we both agree. His best play of the game last Saturday was on the run, a throw to Jalen Brooks down the right sideline where he dropped it in there. But that's not a sustainable way to make a living on offense. Yeah, this is something I actually talked about with Mason that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. Is he he's concerned from an Arkansas perspective that yes, they will be able to put pressure on Spencer Rattler. They rushed the ball, uh, rushed the quarterback pretty well against Cincinnati, but that Rattler's maybe better out of the pocket than he is in the pocket. And I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, some of his best throws that I've seen both at Oklahoma and in this first game here at South Carolina have been when he's kind of rolling out, especially rolling to the right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's going to 
he's going to get his. I think he's going to have a good game. Um, the problem is I don't know how much South Carolina can slow down KJ Jefferson. It's it's weird because I would say even though Arkansas's receivers are really good, that we talked about the tight end Trey Knox, they also have a couple of um, four, or at least one former five star wide receiver um, in Hasselwood who transferred from Oklahoma, and then another transfer whose name is escaping me right now. Um, so they have a lot of athletic weapons in the receiving room and in the tight end room, but I do trust South Carolina's secondary to some degree. I think that that's strength on strength, so to, so to speak. Um, but I think KJ Jefferson is the X factor there that kind of turns that strength on strength and, and breaks things open a little bit because you can't really account for him running around as much as he's going to. Um, and that's something that I know that they talked about in the pressers too. It's like, how do you prepare for a defensive end essentially, um, that can run the ball and, you know, where he gets into trouble still has an amazing arm and can chuck it. If you let receivers get any space. Yeah, it's funny. Beamer joked about exactly that. Someone asked him um, how they were mimicking KJ Jefferson in practice. And we eventually found out from Satterfield that just using the scout team quarterbacks, you know, Tanner Bailey, Colton Gauthier, those guys. But Beamer joked that, yeah, we got to put a defensive end at quarterback this week in practice just to try to simulate KJ Jefferson. There's not really any way to prepare for a guy who's 6'4, almost 250 pounds and can run like that and throw like that. It's a completely unique challenge to anything else South Carolina is going to see on the schedule this year, even though they're going to face other very good quarterbacks, but not at that size, not at that speed, not at that arm strength. Um, it's the running too. It's the zone reads. That was something Clayton White talked about yesterday. He called that modern college football. It's just the way it is when offenses these days. This is going to have to be a big game for the two edge guys. Um, I think Strawn and Birch both, both with discipline, like eye discipline on those zone reads, and also with getting out to the quarterback and trying to get Arkansas into some – more obvious passing situations where the zone reads don't come into play and that big smashy kind of Sam Pittman offensive line can't just do what they do. Yeah, very big. Um, I believe the offensive tackle is like 6'9", 300 yeah. something like insane. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we talked a little bit about this on Monday, but Georgia State in some ways is a nice warm up for it. Darren Granger's 6'3", but he's 6'3", 200, right? And South Carolina did a pretty good job of containing him. Uh, in the run game and making him throw it. But also he does not have the uh, elite passing uh, ability that KJ Jefferson does. So it's Darren Granger times two and a half, you know, <laughs> he's right. uh, 50 pounds heavier, just as elusive, maybe more elusive and can actually hurt you in the passing game. And, you know, as, as well as Nick Amemori played in game one, as well as I expect him to play really all season. I mean, he's, he's a great football player. Um, I also, he's a true freshman on the road for the first time in the SEC. I'm expecting him to make a mistake or two. And, you know, how does he respond uh, once that happens? So it's going to be really interesting. I, I think I would hate for <laughs> South Carolina to have to rely on their offense to um, win in a shootout. But I also kind of only see that as the only path to a win here is getting in that shootout and somehow winning it. It's, it's tough, though, because I don't think Arkansas really it's, – it's a very – we talked about game script dependent last week. Um, I think this week is a very tempo-dependent de game. Um, Arkansas doesn't want to shoot out. They never want to shoot out. They want to beat you with line of scrimmage. They want to hold the ball for 40 minutes. They want to run it. They're confident, maybe not as much this week with the injuries and safety, which we're going to talk about. They're kind of comfortable just keeping it in the 20s. We could beat you. We're better than you at the line of scrimmage. We're more physical than you. That was something that Beamer and the assistants talked about, how physical Arkansas is. Um, so maybe it is the best way for South Carolina to try to get them out of that. But at the same time, I have a real hard time thinking this offense can score 30 points on the road. At least we got a major jump from the offensive line this week. I mean, I think if you limit South Carolina's possessions, it's going to be pretty – pretty tough um to pull it off i think you're, you're gonna have to kind of push i don't know i don't know if you're pulling out trick plays necessarily but you're definitely gonna have to push the ball down the field more than just throwing the little bubble screens and that was um, something that every coach hit on this week that those did not work last week beaver mentioned it twice offhand um once saturday after the game then again on tuesday marcus satterfield mentioned it offhand yesterday they were killed on the perimeter i mean georgia state 
manhandle them on the perimeter. Saturday told us they did a couple live perimeter drills in practice this week. Um, yeah, if that's what it's going to look if the perimeter blocking is going to look like that, you pretty much have to toss the bubble screens, smoke screens, any of that stuff just out of the playbook completely because none of it's going to work. Um, another way that, you know, maybe there's a difference made here is again on special teams, which we talked a lot last week, but I thought it was interesting that, uh, Pete Limbo basically said every, um, week they're looking to steal a possession or two on special teams. Like that's pretty much how they head into every week. And I think you're going to need that. I mean, either you're going to need to get a turnover or two on defense that's unexpected, which you, you look at KJ Jefferson's numbers last year, I think he only threw four interceptions. So um, those are kind of hard to come by. So if you're going to get sort of a steal an extra possession or two, maybe you see another, you know, onside kick like they tried against Georgia State. Maybe you're um, hoping for something exotic in the in the punt block scheme again. I don't think or, you can really count on more punt block touchdowns, yeah, but. Right. You never know. I mean, it's, it's a beamer. I mean, but yeah. yeah, no, and that also goes back to Rattler too. Um, can't have the picks. Just can't. I mean, the first one maybe wasn't his fault. Hit a receiver in hands. Fine. That second one, they're going to lose. He throws another one like that. Even one possession given away like that in this game, they're going to lose. I mean, you just can't do that again. And he knows it. He owned it too. Um, but that just can't happen again. Yeah, it's uh, another factor that you kind of hit on is just like his inexperience on the road. Um, and South Carolina, this is something a lot about since the offseason, has struggled mightily in SEC road games over the past three seasons, two three seasons. Years, yeah, they're one at nine in the last 10. Yeah, right. And of course, that's, you know, the COVID shortened year and everything, too. Um, but the only win is what a close one over Vandy at Vandy. It wasn't close, but it was at Vanderbilt the year they went winless in the COVID year, the year Derek Mason got fired. That's the only road win they have on the SEC since the weird must champ Georgia double overtime game in 19. Yeah. And I know you you put out a, a question on Twitter. When was the last time they beat an SEC West, or ranked SEC West opponent on the road? And that answer was a little surprising. You want to 2001 tell us at Mississippi State? Um, 16-4. That's a Lou Holtz team. Last time they won the type of game they're going to try to win on Saturday against a West opponent, at least. Yeah, and and Coach Beamer did talk um, on Tuesday about how they are doing everything that you can do to prepare for going on the road for the first time and for the 11 a.m. Central kick. So he basically just said, you know, they've they've tried to throw in stuff during practice where uh, unexpected things happen that. They haven't told the players that they're planning for, and then you just got to go with it. And also that, like, most of the time they practice in the morning, so they're usually done by the time that's, this kickoff is going to happen anyway. So the, they're, they're not ex- anticipating the morning kickoff to be a factor. But No, and Beamer did say, to, to be fair to him, that, you know, the bowl game was a noon game last year, and they got up to a really quick start in that game. So I don't know if the 11 a.m. is as much of a factor. I mean, I think they're going to be ready to go. Um, but even, like, this was something South Carolina did really well last week. It was no pre-snap penalties. Okay, it's a lot harder on the road when 76,000 people are liquored up and trying to get you to commit a false start or delay the game, you know? Um, Got to keep an eye yeah, on that. That can kill a drive and get you out of your play flow. Um, yeah, yeah for, all, for an animal. For all the things that we did criticize about the offense last week, um, something that they did improve on from the beginning of last year to the beginning of this year was – those sort of stupid penalties, which they they struggled with at the beginning of the, of the year last year. Um, but like you said, it's a little bit of a different animal when you have 75,000 opposing screaming fans <laughs> at your back. Um, any other major storylines that you see in this game? I know we've talked about how um, Arkansas's offensive strengths kind of match up with South Carolina's defensive strengths. Um, except for, you know, the run game is going to put some pressure for sure on the run defense. Um, and we've also talked about how South Carolina's offensive strengths kind of match up well against Arkansas's defensive strengths, which is why I keep thinking it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. But any other things to look for that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, we haven't mentioned this yet. I'm sure you talked about it with Mason for later. Um, Jalen Catalan, Miles Slusher, neither player has been ruled out yet. Very much sounds like neither of them are going to play. That's Arkansas' two starting safeties, for those who don't know. Um, Catalan especially. I know they don't play the same positions, but if you want to liken that to South Carolina, that's probably the equivalent of South Carolina losing Cam Smith for a week. 
Um, Catalan is very much the best player in that secondary. He's not just one of the best in the SEC. He was a preseason All-American um, and an All-SEC player last year. That's a huge loss for the Arkansas secondary. Um, and Slusher, too. I mean, that's that's a tough one as well for Arkansas. That's going to be two. We talked about Nick Demon-Worry and starting a freshman safety. Um, Arkansas doesn't have a freshman backing these two players up, but they're going to have two new safeties starting which, again, is why I think this just has to be a Spencer-Rattler game one way or another. Um, that's it. It's going to have to be Rattler's game. Two, two backup safeties in there. That's kind of an ideal circumstance for your highly tired quarterback to make some plays and win the game. Yeah, and it's technically a, a safety and a nickel. But, oh, yeah, yeah, two, two right. QBs. And uh, Mason also mentioned that there's, like, a walk-on starting a corner, I think. So yeah. um, the defensive backfield for Arkansas is certainly on exploitable um i know that tomorrow perry mccarty who does like the film breakdowns of our games and then previews arkansas the offensive ones on gamecockscoop.com right now um he was looking and he's like honestly I, I think our offense matches up well against their defense especially with the way um things are missing he, he did mention that there's a linebacker transfer out of alabama sanders i believe is his name that did a good job in pass run, pass rush, um, but and then there's Bumper Pool, of course, uh, who is also a, an elite pass rusher. But he did kind of question him in coverage a little. If you can get a mismatch with a running back coming out of the backfield or something like that, um, but yeah, I, I I think South Carolina should be able to score points. I think they're going to have to score points um, in this one. I just that's my only other note, by the way. You talk about mismatches, Jaheim Bell. What's the usage there? Um, seven carries last week. He had a tight carry. Um, I know you like the wishbone. I asked Marcus Satterfield about that. <laughs> just for you, he said he was watching a classic uh, Oklahoma Nebraska game over the summer and just made a note: line up in wishbone. Um, yeah, that worked pretty well a couple times. But what especially in short like? short yardage, yeah. What does his usage look like? He Satterfield mentioned that's a guy who needs to get the ball more. He mentioned handoffs as a way to take away variables because you don't have to worry about a route combination. You don't have to worry about a corner. You don't have to worry about um, a throw from Rattler. He's just handing him the ball. Yeah, maybe Jaheim Bell carrying the ball is a way to get the running game going if he's doing that 10 to 15 times. Yeah, so I really like Jaheim Bell on the dive play out of the wishbone that they, they ran effectively, I think, one time to get a first down and one time for a touchdown um, or a two-point conversion. It was a two-point two. conversion, yeah. Yeah, two-point two point conversion. Um, but I don't know. How, how You tell me. How did you feel about the little toss play that they kept running to him out of the, the shotgun? I, he did break one of them for maybe 10 yards or something. But for the most part, I don't know. He doesn't seem as elusive as Marshawn Lloyd in space as far as, like, his hips being, you know – uh, right. loose or whatever, but he's a big guy that's hard to bring down. So, I mean, I think if you can get some one-on-one -on -one matchups, you don't, if you're a DB, you don't want to tackle that guy. So, so maybe there's some logic there, but I like the concept. It does not matter if you can't block on the perimeter, um, not no. to just be too matter of fact about it, but those plays didn't work because Georgia state was shedding blocks and making tackles. Um, yeah. If you can, if you can actually hold your blocks for, three or four seconds on the perimeter, then yeah, I think you can absolutely do some stuff with Bell, with Lloyd. Juju McDowell's really shifty in space. Like, that could be a player you get outside the tackles. But again, if you're not blocking, it just it won't matter. Um, one more question that I had, because whenever you brought up the Arkansas injuries, it reminded me, do you have an updated injury report for South Carolina? I know uh, Corey Rucker probably still out. Rucker's um, still trending towards out. Um Beamer Christian said he expects Smith. Christian Bealsmith to play. I have my doubts that that's just coach speak. We didn't see him at all last week. He wasn't on the dress roster. Um, maybe we'll get another update on Carolina calls tonight. We'll see. Um, trying to think what he says. Sherrod Green's fine. Um, I expect to see him rotating in and out of those linebacker spots. Um, what about Joyner? Did he any update on that? No, no update on Joyner. Um, that was a weird one because we didn't really have any updates on that during the week going into Georgia State either. And then it sounded like he had a calf thing, like in warm-ups. They just started to sit him out. Yeah, I was actually no talking to my there. I was talking to my dad know. last night, who's like yeah, a big South Carolina. No, I was talking to my dad last night, who's a big South Carolina fan, and he was like, "You think that they held out Joiner just to not show any of the like 
weird packages that they could use with him against Georgia State. And I was like, ah, maybe. I don't know. Like that's that was a there there was definitely parts of the second half where that game was still in doubt. So I I don't know if you were necessarily going vanilla completely, but um, maybe. Maybe it's just a weird one with how late that came up and. I guess good for the coaching staff for not risking that in a week one game that they ended up and probably expected to end up having enough to win without him. Um, and my only, my only other injury note, plural notes, because they're at the same position, uh, Ja'Kai Moore, um, why am I blanking the other, help me, Jalen Nichols, Ja'Kai Moore, Jalen yeah. Nichols, they both had little knocks against Georgia State in the second half. Actually, Nichols got his first, Moore went in at left tackle, and Moore got hurt, and they had to put Nichols back in the game at 35-14, which I don't think they wanted to do. But clearly, Nick Nichols looked fine to be on the field um, when he had to go back in. Beamer said as much, said the same about Moore. I don't anticipate any issues at left tackle for South Carolina, but that would be the only other injury to know what I could think of. Yeah, okay. Well, it sounds like as about as healthy as you can – Hope to be at least. I mean, sounds like really better off than Arkansas is from an yeah, injury sure. standpoint right now. There's so. nobody officially ruled out except Corey Rucker right now. I don't think. Yeah. Um. All right. Let, let me put you on the spot. Let's hear those predictions. I know you got your article coming out tomorrow evening, which subscribers will be able to read that one more time. If you use promo code GoCox22, all capital, uh, you get twenty. You get annual subscription, entire year, three hundred sixty-five days of content. Uh, for just $22, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, but anyway, you'll be able to read his full preview tomorrow evening in which you give your score prediction, and maybe it'll change between now and then, but uh, what do you got? Yeah, I said 28-20 Arkansas. I'm not as sold on South Carolina moving the ball as you. I do think Arkansas is going to be able to run the ball well, control the clock, limit possessions. It's, it's a game South Carolina can win, but my whole thing that I wrote, um, tomorrow you can read. This is a prove-it game. South Carolina has not earned that benefit of the doubt yet. Arkansas has. You know, until I see South Carolina beat a road, as win a road SEC game against a team with a pulse, no disrespect to 2020 Vanderbilt, I can't pick them to do it. Um, I think they'll cover. I think that'll be a one-score game, but I need to see it before I can pick it. So I picked Arkansas, but what do you have? Well, before I share mine, uh, Bobby Tucker on YouTube, which, by the way, we go live with these. If you ever want to pop into YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and leave comments, we'll see him. We can answer questions live on the air or whatever. So um, anytime that we are live, pop over and say what's up. But yeah, Bobby Tucker says 28 to 26 South Carolina wins, which I mean, going with your score prediction, that's kind of the, the inverse, you know. Ball bounces the That's other way a little bit. Range, and, I think yeah. it would need to be for South Carolina to win this game. I don't know if he's thinking they're stopping a two-point conversion late, maybe. Some drama there. I don't know. But um, definitely got to get yeah. probably up into the high 20s, low 30s to win this game, which is yeah. kind of what you're saying, too. Yeah, 26 is a weird score. Maybe they're missing an extra point and then going for two later and not getting that or, or whatever. Um, so I said 37-31, which I guess is also a little bit of a weird score. 37-31 um, Arkansas. Um, so I do see this as a game that um, both offenses are going to be able to be effective. I think South Carolina's defense is a little bit better than Arkansas's defense, but Arkansas's offense is a little bit better than South Carolina's offense. So I think that that balance kind of create a good bit of points. Um, and ultimately, it's going to be tough to go in there on the road. But it sounds like we both have them covering because the, the the spread's at, what, eight and a half, nine right now? So I think it opened at eight and a half, and it got pushed out to nine. That's what I saw. I have, um, I don't know, I think I still have eight and a half in the, in the article, but maybe it, it changed. Uh, the over-under was 52 and a half, I want to say. It's in the article. I don't remember what I wrote. Uh, Bobby says field goals for um for uh, <laughs> that's how we're going to red zone defense. Yeah. I mean that was yeah. um now Seth Glenn had to do a lot of last week, but they did make one big stop on the first drive of the game in the red zone. It's kind of been their identity uh, these first two. I mean this first year and then a game uh, is that bend and don't break mentality um, for the and for the most part it's worked. I mean you have some examples like Tennessee last year where. It broke, <laughs> um, but for the for the most part, um, a lot of teams have racked up a lot of yards, but not necessarily a lot of points against this defense. So, yeah, um, last week Georgia State got over three hundred, but fourteen points. Yeah, which I mean, it, it plays to the the skill set uh, of South Carolina, right? They're not 
huge and uber athletic front seven. Um, but they're athletic enough. Um, you know, they, they make some solid tackles and then that back end is, is the best part of the whole defense right now. So, um, all right. Anything else before we transition to Mason and his insights on Arkansas? If you had any national stuff, we, we did a little bit of that at the end of the show last week. Is there any other games in college football or the SEC you wanted to hit on? That'd be about it. I think we pretty much covered this game. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at North Carolina and Georgia State. I feel like that might give us a little bit of an indication of how good uh, South Carolina really is, you know, um, if Georgia State is a lot more effective offensively against North Carolina. Of course, North Carolina gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter last week, so maybe that won't tell us too much. Um, but that's that's sort of a local game that I'm, I'm interested in watching. Um, from a national perspective, uh, UK and Florida. That's, that's the one that's I was going to mention, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. That's at what, 3.30? That's a night game. That's 7 o'clock. Oh, um, perfect. It's the only yeah. other SEC versus SEC game on the schedule this week. Yeah, the SEC slate is pretty pretty weak this this week, which I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that South Carolina Arkansas ended up in the noon slot because of that. You would, yeah. think, you would have thought that they would have ended up at like the 4 o'clock SEC network game or the 7 o'clock SEC network game, but whatever. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be good. Well, they'll be featured at noon at least. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what other games I see a pit that's at, that's at 3:30. Yeah, um, definitely that one. Kind of a styles clash there. Um, Pitt wants to run the ball a lot. They did last week against West Virginia. Tennessee wants to snap the ball 150 times with Heupel. Um Late, I think by you, Baylor. I'll go ahead. No, yeah, that that's a good one. I, the only other one I was going to say is I'm kind of interested in Texas Tech, Houston. Yeah. Um, should be should be a close game. I'm kind of interested to see how Kansas does. <laughs> um, they, they uh, yeah, and they are two touchdown underdogs, or like 13 and a half point underdogs. But I picked them to cover in, in a parlay this week, and they looked pretty good uh, in week one. And I, I really like their coach. Um, Lance so Leipold, yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to see if they're ready if they're starting to arrive. I know they picked up a couple transfers in the off season. Um, one of my buddies is a Kansas fan, so I kind of weirdly keep up with them. Um, we, we commiserate over the fact that um, we kind of root for for teams that struggle in their own conference sometimes. So <clears throat> South yeah. Carolina is not as low as Kansas, Kansas, don't Kansas, get me wrong. But, <laughs> um, yeah, boy, if Neil Brown thought he had problems with West Virginia fans for losing the pit, don't lose to Kansas. Yeah, I don't know that Kansas will win, but I, I did pick them to cover within two touchdowns. So, um, Yeah, any other national storylines or anything you're looking at? I think that about covers it for me. Um, it's not as loaded of a schedule this week, but it's always kind of interesting week two. You start getting a better sense of teams. You know, Team A played Team B, and then they're going to go play Team C and D. So that's what you mentioned with Georgia State, South Carolina. You can start kind of stacking some stuff up. App State of Texas A&M, that's kind of another one of those. I don't think yeah. App can win in College Station, but I want to see how they look against A&M's defense, who pitched a shutout last week against FCS. That's a 3.30 kick, I think, um, in Texas. So, keep it, And I guess Bama, Texas, I'm not that interested in that. It'll be on at the same time as Arkansas, South Carolina. But yeah. that's what everyone else is talking about. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any way that that's – I think the, the spread on that was 20, and I picked – Alabama to cover that. Yeah, I am interested in the Texas A&M game. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of that Sam Houston State game, but they got off to kind of a, a slow start, um, at least offensively. But I then, heard the line was struggling, but I didn't see any yeah. of it. But then it got it got a lot better. Um, we didn't talk any about Clemson, Georgia State, or Georgia Tech on Monday, did we? No, we also didn't get to talk LSU Florida State because we were recorded the Georgia State show Sunday morning. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know South Carolina fans are somewhat interested in what's going on with with Clemson. Um, their offense still looks bad. Uh, I yeah, know they ended up scoring 41, but... <laughs> no, that was a 17-10 game deep into the third quarter. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know that I blame it all on, on DJU. Um, their offensive line had some some struggles um i thought that 
uh, play calling at times. You know, you got this first year play caller and Brandon Streeter that you uh, elevated from within the program. The offensive staff in general is is pretty inexperienced. I mean, you got some some names there like CJ Spiller, running back coach, but he had never coached uh, anything before he got there. So, um, you know, I I think some of the maybe they'll grow throughout the season, right? Um, but it, it's it's interesting to to see all those people that they elevated in the program, and then they kind of come out and lay lay an egg offensively right off the bat against a bad, bad Georgia Tech team. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to note there other than their offensive line struggled, and that defense is still one of the three best in America, probably. I mean... Oh, the defensive line is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and they'll win a lot of games because of that. Yeah, you know, but, they're playing uh, Furman this week. Nothing to see there. Um, yeah, I'm more interested in what, what happens when they get in into the ACC. I know they have Wake this year, who has Sam Harbin back now. He's gonna. They're playing Vanderbilt Saturday. I mean, that's interesting. I guess two and zero Vanderbilt. Wake with its quarterback finally back. I think that's a noon game as well, so I'll miss that. But that's one to keep an eye on, I guess, in the NCC as well. And um, they play Miami later this year. I know um, it's going to be interesting for Clemson, but that defense alone is Jesus Christ. That's what they're good. Yeah, and then no, I gave State LSU. Um, special teams matter. Pete Lambo talked yeah. about it. Um, yep. Special teams matter. Yep. And, uh, you know, so many so many people or teams, head coaches, whatever, do talk about special teams as an X factor. But um, it's clear that this, this staff really – it's not just speak, not just coach speak. They're definitely putting the time into it. Um, I think I mentioned this with Mason. I can't remember if it was on our podcast or I also did – um, the hogbeat.com podcast. If you want to go check that out and hear what I had to say about South Carolina. Um, but I said that Amarian Brown, I think it was in the post game said, you know, we spent so much time on it. You know, we we got to be good at it. Right. Like, yeah. that <laughs> so. was my last story. Yeah. Um, and he also, he said too, that they've created an environment where players want to play on special teams. It's not like, Oh, you have to do this along with your offense and your defense. Um, they want to be out there on the punts and kicks. Well, I mean, you remember like the early two thousands um, when Beamer ball 1.0 at Virginia tech was getting going. I mean, that's all the national broadcasts talked about and, and you were excited for a special teams play. And yeah. I'm starting to get that feeling uh, with South Carolina. You know, in the past, if a punt comes up or something, it's like, all right, that's the time to go grab a beer or, or whatever, right? Like, that's the time to to go to the bathroom, take take your break. But now it's like I'm eating popcorn. I'm I'm ready to see what's ready about for to happen. a punt. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> even Mitch G or Mitch Jeter, two fifty plus yard field goals. Um, we'll see what that that could be a big weapon Saturday. We we haven't talked about that at all, but someone who can hit a field goal in a big road environment and steal three points on a drive that maybe solves out. Yeah, I saw. I watched Welcome Home last night, the final episode. We did live updates. If you want to check those out on the Insiders Forum at GameCocksGroup.com. But um, they had a different angle on that first kick, the fifty-three yarder, was yeah. it? Um, and in the game, I was like, "Wow, that hit the net!" And then I saw the side angle that they showed in Welcome Home, and that that would have been good for for sixty easily. Um, he crushed that kick, and it was right yeah. coming. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we can keep that momentum going, but off to a great start in this first collegiate action. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us in our Arkansas preview. Um, we will review the game, either me or both of us, on uh, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, whenever we can get together there after the game. Um, but after this, um, stick around because I got about a 20-minute interview with Mason Choate over at hogbeat.com and he gives us some insight on what he expects out of Arkansas and, and kind of how he's seeing this this game play out. So uh, until next time, this has been Caleb Alexander, Alan Cole, GameCocksGroup.com. We'll see you. All right, folks, I'm here with Mason Choate, uh, who is the publisher at Hogbeat, the Arkansas Rivals affiliate. Um, and we're going to talk a little Arkansas, South Carolina this week. Kind of interested in what your take on the game is, on on how uh, Arkansas is looking so far this season and um, some of the storylines headed into the game. So I guess my first question, um, Arkansas kind of started the season as this dark horse contender for the SEC West. 
um, and really, you know, earned an impressive win over rebuilding, but talented Cincinnati team in week one. So how are you feeling about that dark horse status after seeing one game so far in the 2022 season? I, you know, I still feel good about it. Um, I, I look at the schedule still, and one of the games I had Arkansas losing was Texas A&M. And I watched some of that Texas A&M game. I, I don't know if that was just first game or, or what, but I now I think, well, maybe Arkansas can win that game, and maybe you're looking at a 10-2 and Arkansas team. I had them going 9-3. and And with the three losses being three in a row to A&M, Alabama, and Mississippi State. And now I'm thinking, well, maybe – Maybe they can beat AM. Maybe they can beat Mississippi State. I think this team, like the sky is the limit with this team, and they have the talent and they have the want to to win every game. It's just, you know, are they going to be able to keep the penalties down? Are they going to be able to stay healthy? You saw two really good players, two starters, two players that they need on the field go down in week one. So if they continue to, you know, have health issues, and I know it's just the first game, and we don't know how long that Jalen Catalan and Miles Slusher are going to be out, but – if they were to, you know, God forbid, lose KJ Jefferson, then you're looking at maybe like a four-five win season for Arkansas. So, I, I do feel good about it, though. I, I think that that they're probably going to win anywhere from eight, nine, ten games. Yeah, so I, I think that Arkansas and South Carolina actually have a good bit in common in the sense of they're very much built. Uh, the offense is built around and runs through the quarterback. Um, I, I don't know if you saw any of the South Carolina game this past. Week, but they definitely struggled a bit on offense. But the, the, the times that things went well was just kind of uh, Spencer Rattler making things happen. Um, in particular, just buying time with his legs, letting receivers kind of run open and then finding them down the field, which is, from what I can tell, similar to how KJ Jefferson kind of operates. Um, and something that South Carolina has struggled with in the past is, is a mobile quarterback, someone that can run their run defense in general has, has sort of struggled. So um, the, the, the thing that I noticed while I was kind of like pre looking at both of these teams is I think both have weaknesses that the other can exploit, like the strengths and weaknesses kind of match up. Um, so we could see kind of a high scoring game here, but um, ultimately I think Arkansas has a lot more firepower, at least proven firepower than South Carolina does. Um, before we get too much into the weeds of the game, I did have kind of an overarching question about how you think Arkansas fans view South Carolina. Do you think that this is a game that they think that they should win? Do you think historically this is a game that they usually think that they should win? I don't know about historically. I think that um, going into this season, there was a lot of you know focus and emphasis put on Cincinnati because you know this is a, a team that went to the college football playoff last year. And it was kind of like Cincinnati and then looking ahead to maybe A&M or Alabama. I, I feel like South Carolina is a game that a lot of people, you know, looked over. Some people kind of viewed it as a, a trap game. One of our guys on our website picked them to lose this game because he thinks that, you know, it's it's in between Cincinnati and then looking ahead to, you know, you have Missouri State in there after South Carolina, but then it's A&M and Alabama. So. I think that the the way that Arkansas fans view South Carolina is, I mean, it's a talented team. People know the name Spencer Rattler, and that carries a lot of weight. And, you know, Shane Beamer, people understand that what he's doing at South Carolina is he, he's doing some good stuff. They took Arkansas, a, a guy that Arkansas fans really liked in Justin Stepp. And so they know about South Carolina. I, I was actually looking at, you know, the – the star ratings of all the South Carolina starters coming out of high school. I don't think Arkansas fans know how talented South Carolina is. I didn't know how talented South Carolina is. So I think that it might be a more competitive game than people are thinking, at least on the Arkansas side. Yeah, I think um, that that's true as far as the starters go. I think one of the issues right now is depth, still rebuilding that depth. But right now here at the beginning of the season, Pretty much everyone's healthy. Um, one note is that the starting safety, who was a senior last week, RJ Roderick, um, was injured on the first play of the game. But if you ask South Carolina fans, he was kind of the weak link in that secondary anyway. Um, and he was replaced by a pretty talented true freshman, Nick Emanwari, who on his first or second play from scrimmage uh, filled a gap and, and stopped Georgia State on fourth and one. 
um, when they were like threatening to score on the first drive. So he, he pretty pretty immediately made an impact, made a couple of other big plays. Um, but he's a true freshman, so there was at least one occasion where he got kind of caught looking in the backfield um, and had a play action pass go over the top of his head for a touchdown. Um, so I think that there's going to be some some lumps taken there, I guess, as far as the the depth in the secondary. But also, I think that the secondary is the, one of the stronger units on the team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that sort of plays out. Um, speaking of that, what matchups do you feel like Arkansas has the biggest advantage um, in this game? Ah, uh, that's tough. I think that because I was looking at South Carolina's defensive line, and I mean, goodness gracious, they, they look pretty good. Uh, I did watch a few clips from the South Carolina Georgia State Georgia State game, and I feel like if Arkansas can, you know, maybe put a little bit more of an emphasis on throwing the ball because they're a run first team. That's what they're going to do. They want to run the ball, but if they can throw the ball a little bit, I think that they can, you know, find some creases there with Trey Knox over the middle, um, Jaden Hazelwood, Matt Landers. I think Matt Landers might catch like a fifty-yard touchdown this weekend. I think that 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 could happen. He's got legit SEC speed. Um, I think that that is where, you know, they can really, you know, give South Carolina fits. Um, defensively, I, it's tough because Arkansas is going to struggle in the secondary, especially with injuries. I think that the, the D-line, they're going to be going up against what looks like a veteran offensive line from South Carolina. So it's it's going to be – they're going to have to get some pressure to, to Spencer Rattler. But the thing is, is I feel like he might be better when he's out of the pocket. So – I feel like they're going to have to close in, and that's going to be tough because we were at practice yesterday and they were running the dime package. They had six DBs, and so it's like, how are you going to get three guys to you know close that in against such a veteran offensive line? It's going to be tough. It's it's going to be one of those games where it's like, you know, you have talent on the field, but it's going to come down to coaching. I think. I mean, who, which coach is going to put their team in better position to make a play and to win the game? I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of a similar defensive uh, philosophy that Georgia State took last week. Um, and Rattler got his, you know, I mean, it, it was a sort of ho-hum 250-yard passing game or whatever. Um, but like you said, I think a lot of his best moments were once he was flushed out of the pocket and then allowed his receivers to kind of, you know, buy some time, buy some space. Um, he had a couple of really big throws on the field. That way, and I think that that's something that they're going to have to really do is push the ball down the field a little bit better. They they really emphasized the screen game in game one, um, a lot of horizontal stuff, trying to create some space, and and did a pretty poor job of blocking in the perimeter. So South Carolina scored thirty five points uh, in game one, but that kind of covers up the way that the offense has struggled because they scored two. Uh, special teams touchdowns off block punts, which you can't really rely on on a weekly basis. Um, so, yeah, they really struggled to run the ball. Um, and I think that they're going to need to establish a little bit of a run game to uh, take a little pressure off of Spencer Rattler because it does seem like sometimes he uh, presses whenever he feels like kind of the whole thing's on his shoulders. Um, so you mentioned that uh, safety concern. Do you have any updates on Catalan and Slusher? No, I mean, Sam Pittman is like the coach who's going to give you coach speak for injuries. Like you never know what what a guy has, how long he'll be out when it comes to um, injuries with, with the Razorbacks. So I think the fact that he's saying he doesn't know with both guys and he, he, he won't say the injury and he won't tell us a, a timetable on it, I think they're definitely both going to be out this weekend. The The real question is how long are they going to be out, you know, moving forward? It would be really, really tough for Arkansas if they lose Jalen Catalan. They missed him for seven games last year. He tore his labrum against Ole Miss in week six, I think. Um, if they lost him for this season after the first game, that would be just gut-wrenching because he, he has the ability to be one of the best safeties in America. I think he has a first-round draft ceiling. Like, he's that good. Um, Miles Slusher, a sophomore who filled in for Jalen Catalan last year when he went down, he's now he, that was at, he filled in at safety. Now he's playing nickelback, and he's I mean he's really really good. And so to have him go down, it looked it looked really bad at first. 
I don't know what it was. To me, it looked like a stinger. Um, and that could be anywhere from he could play this weekend to, you know, three or four weeks from now. So um, I don't think that either are going to play this weekend and that that's going to hurt Arkansas because now you're looking at a secondary that struggled against Cincinnati against a no offense to Ben Bryant, but he really struggled to place his passes. I mean, he missed probably three or four wide open touchdowns. And so I don't know if Spencer Rattler is going to miss those. I feel like Spencer Rattler is a guy who will make those throws and so it's going to be tough for Arkansas. I think that's why they're going to try to have those six DBs out there. The only thing is, is that now you don't have two of your best. Now you have to fill in for those two guys who you could rely on and you feel confident in. Now you're throwing in a second teamer who maybe you don't feel as confident in. Yeah, what's that depth look like behind them? Like talented guys or young guys? Yeah, they so they got lucky. They did bring in Latavius Brini at safety from Georgia. He's, I mean, he's good. He he played for arguably the greatest defense of all time last year. So um, that at safety they look good. They have a sophomore in Jaden Johnson. I think actually he's a redshirt freshman. He played last year, looked good. He struggled last week a little bit. There were some plays where he got he got exposed, but I I still think he's good. He'll he'll play some safety and some nickel as well. Um, Simeon Blair, who is a starting safety, he's still there. He's a former walk-on, but he looked good in week one. You know, he's he's grown to be a leader and a, a talented player for a guy who used to be a walk-on. Um, and then they moved a corner, Kari Johnson, to safety at practice on Monday. So that'll be interesting to see if he ends up playing safety or not. Um, they also have Trent Gordon, transfer from Penn State, who who normally plays nickel. They can throw him in there. I don't know how confident they feel in him. So, and then at corner is where they're they're really in trouble, to be quite honest with you, because they got Hudson Clark, another former walk on, and then Dwight McGlothern transfer from LSU. Both are both are talented, but I mean they got exposed last week. Um, they could get exposed this week, and then the guys behind them got exposed even more. I mean Ladarius Bishop, who is a, a backup corner, is actually listed as a starter going into last week. Didn't start the game. He was in for three plays in one drive and got targeted twice and gave up 65 passing yards and a 35-yard touchdown. So it, it's it's tough. Arkansas, I mean, like, this is not the game that you want to have injuries in the, in the secondary, but that's, that's how it is. And Sam Pittman basically kind of put it as, you know, injuries happen. That's just football. That's the way it works, and we'll be ready for it. So. I mean, he seems he seems okay with it, but what else is he supposed to say, though? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, that that is the one I noticed. I was watching the Arkansas and Cincinnati game while I was you know prepping for our game, and um, I did notice that the quarterback from Cincinnati missed a lot of uh, wide open opportunities, especially in the first half. I uh, sort of settled in a little bit better after that. Um, so yeah, that I think that that is one of the biggest storylines to watch, at least from a South Carolina's offense to uh, Arkansas's defense perspective. The problem is, I don't know that South Carolina's defense is going to be able to slow down KJ Jefferson. So I did have a couple questions about uh, Arkansas's offense. Um, what would you say their like offensive identity or some like uh, key plays that they often go to um, look like, other than just like letting KJ Jefferson do thing, which I know is a is a big part of it. Yeah, they, I mean, as I as I mentioned earlier, they're a run-first team, so they really, really want to establish the run. Most of the time it's just like an, an inside zone or, you know, an outside zone trying to get the Rocket Sanders or whoever the running back is to, to get outside or find a hole on the inside. And then uh, it, it's a lot of RPO, um, but more of just like just run and then either KJ Jeff. It's kind of read option, really. Um, and so it's that that's what they want to to establish um, but they also have that threat of you know we can throw it to to any of these talented receivers brought in two talented transfers and Jaden Hazelwood and Matt Landers uh, Warren Thompson is back he's a former transfer from Florida State he's really good um, and then I mean they're, they're deep at wide receiver and then they got a guy in Malik Hornsby who's a backup quarterback who will come out and he might play some receiver he might you know, run some kind of reverse or a, a double pass. And he's, he might end up, I mean, if he's on the field, he might be the fastest guy on the field. He's, he's that talented. He's that good. He's that fast. And they, they just want to get him on the field. So they, the thing about Arkansas's offense is it is either like the most boring offense ever, 
or it is the most electric offense ever. And I I think I – so I I wrote that story for your website, and I think I kind of put it that way. Like, there's no in-between that, though. Like, it's not really just a middle ground. It's either they're going to do two runs and then, you know, roll KJ out and try to find someone open, or they're going to take a 50-yard shot or do a double reverse or some kind of crazy play that ends up working. Like against Cincinnati, they did a a jump pass – at the at the goal line for, for KJ Jefferson to Trey Knox as a touchdown. There was one play where they did a, a double reverse pass. Malik Horn threw it back to Malik Hornsby and then threw he had he had Jane Hazelwood open, but he decided to run and then that speed he ended up going like 15 yards. So this Arkansas offense, there's so many different things they can do. It's just like are they gonna be able to do it and have that electric part of it, or are they gonna be slow and boring? and just, like, try to run the ball over and over and over again. Yeah, well, I, while I do think a strength to the South Carolina team is their defense, I don't know that I could say that they are better than Cincinnati's defense. Um, and, you know, Arkansas still managed to put up, what, 35 points uh, against Cincinnati. So uh, I think we could see a lot of points scored in this. I think my my prediction that I put down was Arkansas winning – not covering, but winning uh, 37 to 31. I think yours was kind of up there too. So it should be a fun game to watch, I think, either way. So, Yeah, uh, I think I had 34 to 24 Arkansas. So, I mean, I think South Carolina is going to score points. I just – I think if Arkansas controls the time of possession, which they didn't really do against Cincinnati that well until the last drive of the game, um, you know, the, they'll be fine. It's just I, I worry about the Razorback secondary. Um, they're going to have to rely on the pass rush on the, on the D lineman. And also Drew Sanders, the linebacker transfer from Alabama. I mean, he is a, a key player. He is so talented rushing the quarterback. He is incredible at it, but can he get to the quarterback before Spencer Rattler lets go of the ball? Because when he lets go of the ball, there's a good chance that the guy's going to be wide open. So <laughs> it's like, get him uncomfortable. The Crowd needs to be loud. That's one of my key points. Was will the 11 a.m. crowd show up? Because it helped against South Carolina, or it helped against Cincinnati a lot. Um, even though they didn't get loud that many times, when they did, it helped. And so, will they be able to do that against South Carolina and help out the Razorback defense? Yeah, and that's actually a big point that um, South Carolina is going to have to look at too. Is and I know that our uh, beat reporter Alan Cole has brought this point up a lot in the off season is over the last like 10 SEC road games, um, South Carolina is one and nine. And a lot of that is starting very, very slow. And if they start slow, let the crowd get into it and stay into it. I think that that's going to be a big problem. I think South Carolina's best chance at pushing this into a fourth quarter game is to get up early in the second half or in the first half, kind of take the crowd out of it and then just try to hold on for dear life as KJ Jefferson does his thing. That's And that's one thing that Sam Pittman has put an emphasis on because it happened to Arkansas a few times, especially in the Rice game to start the season last year, was they got out to a very slow start, Arkansas did. And so they don't want to do that again this year, and they've put an emphasis on that. You see it at practice. They don't walk anywhere. They run everywhere at practice. Like they are a let's go, let's go, let's go team, and they want to get out and get to a fast start you saw it last week. They The first drive was not that great, but then right away, Cincinnati, Ben Bryant throws an interception to Dwight McLaughlin, and then on the offensive end of the ball, K.J. Jefferson, 15-yard touchdown. It's like if Arkansas can do that, um, you know, it's hard to lose a game, but are they going to be able to force two turnovers? Are they going to be able to limit, you know, special team mistakes? Because that's a big thing. You mentioned it, the two-block punts for a touchdown. It's, I mean, Arkansas special teams – they're good, but uh, in the past, they've had a lot of mistakes. I don't know if they've gotten rid of them yet. Um, they they don't really have like a – they're not going to return a kick for a touchdown or a punt for a touchdown. They're kind of just like a very conservative special teams type team. So um, I'm worried about the special teams as well. Arkansas got a good, a good kicker. Max Fletcher, true freshman punter from Australia, did not look great last week, and they're still going to start him. They actually took away the or – from him and Ree Bauer, and now it's just Max Fletcher. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see if he can, you know, improve from last week. Yeah, I think special teams could be an X factor in this game for sure. Um, South Carolina had a 
A-plus uh, special teams effort in week one. So they had the two blocked kicks returned for t- or two blocks returned for touchdown. Um, they had a first-time place kicker starting, and he made two 50-plus yard field goals, like two of the sep- top seven longest field goals in school history, I think. Um, so that's a pretty good start for him. I, they tried an onside kick early in the game, so they were very aggressive uh, special teams-wise. Um, oh, and the punter had a 79-yard punt, Kai Kroger. He uh, got named like the Ray Guy punter of the week or something. So they had a really nice special team, and if they can bring – some of that, uh, you know, beamer ball magic or whatever into this game, I think that that could definitely be a little bit of an equalizer in um, a game that I think Arkansas probably has a slight advantage in the other two sides of the football. So. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just one thing that we focused on talking to Sam Pittman was, you know, beamer ball, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to be able to, you know, counter that? And he said, he basically said, we're not worried about it. We'll, we'll get it figured out. He's confident in special teams coordinator Scott Fountain, who was there at the same time as Pittman and Beamer were both at Georgia. So it, there's a lot of familiarity between those three guys. And so I think they might know how to counter each other better than maybe other teams would. All right. Well, I think that about does it as far as previewing the game. But thanks for joining me today, Mason, um, on GameClockScoop.com. By this point, when we post this, uh, the article that you wrote for the site uh, is posted yesterday. So if you haven't checked that out yet, check that out, guys. And uh, yeah, should be a fun one. Looking forward to texting you about it during the game. Very excited to watch it. Appreciate you having me on, Caleb. All right. Have a good one, Mason.